Welcome to the Authentic Faith Podcast. I'm your host, Andrea John. Today, we continue our journey through the Gospel of John. This Bible study is recorded live on Thursday nights with a group of people get together to dive deep into the scriptures. So in addition to mine, you'll hear some different voices. You'll hear questions and commentaries, perspectives. We don't all agree. We all bring something different to the table, but it lends itself to a conversation that goes deep and leads us further into the knowing and loving of Jesus Christ. Thank you so much for listening because this adds to the conversation. And if you have something to add, to share, or if you have a question, you can always email me at hello at andreajohn.com. In today's session, we're going to dive deep into John 1, 33 to 51. So get ready and let's get started. Oh, just one more thing. Before we dive into the Bible study, I'd like to ask that you like and subscribe to this YouTube or podcast channel. This will help increase the odds that someone will find this life-giving content. Don't forget to share it with your family and friends. Let's get started. I did have a note to talk about this whole follower aspect because um, John did have followers with him. Disciples, they said they were disciples of John. And um, I think the word disciple today has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. In essence, disciple is a student. So in my view, a follower of Jesus is not the same thing as a disciple of Jesus. Based on historical and extra biblical and extra biblical stuff, you see that there were a lot of people following Jesus. They were listening to his teachings. There's always multitudes, but not everyone was a disciple. Not everyone was learning. And it's possible for people to follow Jesus because he sounds good because it feels good, because that's where all the good stuff is. Because that does not mean you're a disciple. What did you say, Dan? Because people, most of them follow Jesus because they have needs. Yes. And that's all they want. They're just yep. followers. They're not disciples. Right. It's a big, huge difference. Huge difference. Um, Even though they, it's a good thing because they believe, okay, I believe because I have this need and maybe... God will do and work on their behalf, but they still don't, you know, no in intimacy, no fellowship. Yeah. And much like those who do believe there, to me, there's a difference between believing and a disciple. The scriptures tell us that signs and wonders and miracles follow those that believe you can heal. You can cast out demons if you believe, but a disciple is known by their love for one another. It's by how they live. Are you listening to the teacher? Are you following what he's saying? And if you do, Jesus said in John 13 and John 15, the new commandment is love as I have loved, because this is how you're going to know that 
you're a disciple that this is how you're going to be known as my disciple by your love for one another. And in, in the books of John, it says quite a few times, not the books, the letters of John says a few times how in contrast, in, in the same way about being a child of God, you will be known as a child of God by your love for one another. It's important for us to, to recognize that disciples and followers, believers are different things. And it's not to discredit people who follow or, or, or believe. It's a matter of bringing them into relationship with God so that they become disciples. Because I firmly believe that disciples of Jesus who live what he taught have a better quality of life. Your life isn't void of trials, not void of tribulations. Lord knows I have many, <laughs> but you live a life of peace and joy and love. And that's, that's the key. So it's not about looking at someone who just follows, you know, the Sunday church goer and be like, oh, you only go to church on Sunday and you're less than because you're not a disciple. Cause that's what people do. They now use it as a weapon. You're not a disciple of Jesus. No, the whole point is to say, Hey, you're following Jesus. He's so amazing. Come and learn from him and maybe teach them how to do that and what that looks like. And so that, that's why I sent that word study on disciple to really get us thinking about what does it mean? And that you've been called to so much more than to just follow Jesus. You've been called to be a disciple and think about how Jesus, when he was alive, the 12 were called disciples. And then after Jesus died and rose again, they were called apostles. They went from students to leaders. It was a, it was a big shift, but you must be a disciple. You must live it. You must be it. One of, one of the reasons I did the, the disciple word is because there were two followers, disciples of John, that when John said, Hey, look, there's the lamb of God. They just like left John and went to Jesus. And Jesus is like, uh, may I help you? <laughs> they said, where are you staying? And Jesus said, Hey, come, come and check it out. And they just started following. D did John go and say, Hey, 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 you're my disciples. Don't, don't go over there. Don't follow him. No, he just was like, he's a better rabbi than I will ever be. And he kept telling them about him. And if there were other disciples of John, John probably was looking at the other dudes and being like, uh, why are you not going? <laughs> like, you should be following the Lamb of God. So Please they went. Andrew, I don't want to interrupt you, but no interrupt. this conversation. Think about this. There are people that hear about Jesus and there are people that know about Jesus. And not, none of us knows 100%. I, I dare to say not even 50% Agreed. Of Jesus is. Now imagine uh, he's having a crusade. John is having a crusade with baptisms at the end. And a lot of people probably before John mentioned Jesus' name to them, just mentioned the name. So, but now on this day, it not only mentions the name, but it says, there he is. He is saying, this guy is much greater than I am. 
if I am a, a student, I'm going to say, bye, John. I'm going to follow the one you're recommending. <laughs> so does it, does it make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it, 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 it makes sense. It makes sense. Why abandon? They're not abandoning. It's John should not get upset. If yeah, they, like, if if one thing is better than the other, I'll go for the better thing. Right, and it's like when I tell people, like for example, one of the people I learn from a lot is Harold Eberly. I'm like, yeah, you should go listen to him because he can explain things better than me. So you can listen to me tell you, but you're, it, he's better. <laughs> It's just yeah. So what's a what's a learner? What's a learner? Another word for a learner. What is it? Student. 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 Right. Another word for student. You guys are better in English than I am, and I'm not saying. I don't know what you're getting you're at. Speaking. What's another word for it? Pupil. Yeah. Right. Apprentice. Right. Apprentice. What's what? What's the pupil to besides being? A person, a student. What else does it mean? A pupil. Do, do we all, oh, do your we eye. All... Okay. Now, see, see the connection because being a student and the eye, mm -hmm. like in see? Spanish, pupila, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and pupilo, pupila. So all these connections, the the hearing, the learning, and with eye. When when it's visual, when we have something visual. We have much more understanding, right? Like Another that. word that it's connected to pupil. I, I went to dig a little bit on this because you, you brought that up. So I went to my you know, <laughs> etymology. So I said, let me go to my etymology myself. As to do with the word pupa, you know, pupa, no. not poop, not poop, pupa. <laughs> it's about the larvae when uh, and then later transforms into a butterfly, right? Mm -hmm. That's what the learner. If you want to learn, that's what you are. When you're learning, when you're a learner, in I'm going to say it in Portuguese, maybe mm -hmm. in Spanish, is aluno. Aluno, right? Mm -hmm. Do you speak Spanish? Aluno. Aluno, it's two words. And a and luno means without sight, without understanding, right? That's what the word means. I did not know that. So why do we learn? We why are we all of us here learning because we don't have enough understanding we lack understanding mm -hmm. and that is the purpose of learning otherwise why why waste time here one hour an hour and a half because we're in the dark about a lot of the correct yep and, and it's all connected yeah. yep no i love that see so so good guys so good stuff when we read the scriptures, right, we're seeing God in it, but like, you have to kind of put yourself there. Like, imagine what it would be like if we were there in that time and Jesus were to come and John says, that's him, that's the Messiah. Would we, would I recognize Jesus? Would I have been open enough to say, I'm going to go follow him? There's something because I look at like movies and I read about Jesus and I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's so amazing. Right. But if I was there, would I react that way to the actual Jesus, the real human Jesus? It's hard to say because I'm not there, but I question that about myself. Like, would I be like the Pharisees and the Sadducees who were against him or would I recognize him? 
because today I feel like we criticize so many people who don't really see, right? Like my dad was talking about people and seeing who don't really see Jesus, but it could easily be me who doesn't see Jesus. And somehow I came to the knowing of Jesus. And that's why I do all this stuff, like the Bible studies and all the stuff I do, because I'm like, somehow I came to this knowing, can't really take credit for it. But there are people that I learned from that prayed for me, that taught me things, you know, I go. So I'm like, I want to give that to somebody so that they can one day, I can say, here is the lamb of God, and they can come to the knowing of Jesus through it. And this is why, whether it's a follow, you know, if there's a follower, they're, they're going to church on Sunday and that's all they do. It's kind of like, well, they're on the right path. It's better than them not going. You know what I mean? Like if you were to remove the conventional traditional church from society, there would be a huge fall in morality, just reality. So there's a place for it. And our role for those of us who know him who see him, it's our role to be, and John is going to talk about this a lot. It's about the witness. We're, we're witnesses of Jesus. So it's powerful. I'm going back a little bit um, and talking about John and him not recognizing Jesus, etc. Mm -hmm. um, could it, could the fact that Jesus's ministry had started at that point, or you know before that um do you think perhaps that could have somewhat to do with what john is saying it could possibly be that he himself didn't recognize he was the messiah because that time had not yet come until god revealed it to him because god had showed him what was going to happen at the baptism so when he saw it it like confirmed yes this is the son of god mm-hmm and then on verse 36, that look at John's focus. John's focus is not, I want more people in my congregation. He's telling the other disciples, guys, that's, look. Yeah. Look what verse 32 says. It says, verse 32, and John testified saying, I have seen the spirit descending. Verse 30, 34, and I have my, and I myself have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. So, again, very important to know something, but more important to see that thing happening, right? We can say, I have faith in whatever, but if that faith never materializes, that doubt sinks in, right? And this fellowship must be constant, like we spoke before. Yeah. What did he do after a while? is in doubt again because he did not talk with Jesus all the time. And same thing happens with us. If we just talk about him one day and go three years without talking about him, our faith is done. We have a lot of questions again. How could you say, behold, this is the Lamb of God, and, and then a month later, two months later, whatever, say, questioning him, is he really this miracle worker? That's right. us. That's us. That's us. We're, yeah, as much as we're convicted, sometimes you like, hmm, I wonder, I wonder. Um, so then it talks about how Andrew was one of the disciples that were with John and left to go with Jesus. 
And Andrew immediately went to go. The first thing he did was go tell his brother, Simon. Then Jesus says, you're not going to be called Simon anymore. You're going to be called Peter. And the reason is in Hebrew, which we're going to get to uh, in a little bit too, your name is your identity. Your identity is tied to your name. It's very common. So for example, when we pray in the name of Jesus, we're not praying in the word of Jesus. We're praying in the name, in the identity, in the person of Jesus. Um, like when I go to Miami and we're like evangelizing and we ask people, do you know Jesus? And like, yeah, he lives next door. Because there's people who have that name. So you're not, it's not about the word Jesus. It's not... The, the word Jesus is not a good luck charm. Sometimes I feel like people use it like a good luck charm and it's not, it's, it's the person of Jesus. So when like I'm right here and you guys are where you're at, and if we go into Walmart or we go into a store, anywhere we go, we're automatically coming in the name of Jesus because Jesus is one with us. If you're one with Jesus, Jesus is in you, you are in him, you are coming in the name of Jesus, whether you say it or not. Demons don't need you to say the name of Jesus. They know if you come in his name or not. So identity is important. And what was happening here was before the ministry even started and Jesus met Peter, he looked at Peter and said, Simon is not an adequate name for you, for what I have called you to. Your destiny is not that. And the name Simon in Hebrew means um, hearer, one who hears. And Jesus said, that's not enough. We're going to call you Peter. And he still doesn't know exactly what that means, other than that means rock, but he says, or stone, really. Um, but that change happens with Peter. And then they come and they meet another fellow named Philip. Philip is from the same place that Andrew and Peter are from. So Andrew and Peter are brothers. Philip is from the same town um, and he comes with them. And Philip is believed by extra biblical uh, content to be an Essene. And he followed John too. So he was one of those, you know, dedicated, you know, people like think hippie monk. That's how I, I would think of it, right? hippie monk. So um, now Philip comes on the scene and he, he wants his friend Nathaniel to know about Jesus. So he goes to Nathaniel and is like, hey, we found the one. What does he say? We found the one that Moses wrote about. That second Moses, this is the one Moses said God was going to send, one like him. And what the prophets wrote about, and it's Jesus of Nazareth. And then Nathaniel says, you know, everybody talks about, can any anything good come of Nazareth? Like, clearly there was this perception that Nazareth was not a kosher place. Like, it's probably like, you know, not a cool place. So there's that perspective. Some theologians and scholars conclude that the reason he asked this question 
was because he knew that the scripture said that the Messiah was going to come from Bethlehem. So in his mind, well, this he's from Nazareth, so it can't be this guy. I don't read it that way, but that's what some say. Then Jesus saw Nathaniel coming and said, well, he says he exclaimed, but I'm paraphrasing. Look, a tree, true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel asked, how do you know me? Right? There's a few ways that you can interpret this. So I'm going to share some theological, academic, scholarly perspectives here. Um, but I, I, now that I read it, I, I kind of can see it where Jesus says, in whom there is no deceit. And Nathaniel asks, how do you know me? Like that, that's kind of a, to me, it's not a normal response, but it's all speculation. And then he said, Jesus replied, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. So every translation says a little bit different, but there's this under the fig tree. And one of the resources I sent is an idiom for under the fig tree, right? So um, I'm going to use the word prophetic, right? A lot of times we read this or most times like I do, I'm seeing this and I'm like, well, Jesus was being prophetic in the moment. And he's like, Hey, I saw you, you know, like in the prophetic, I saw you sitting under the fig tree, but there's scholars who say, well, under the fig tree was an idiom that meant it's like, if you sit under a rabbi and you're being learned by a rabbi, because in the synagogues, you would sit at the foot of the rabbi and what happened, remember that they would teach in the synagogues, but they also taught under the fig tree, under the shade of the fig tree. And they would sit there and they would teach. Um, there's also, um, based on historical documents that under the fig tree was they would meditate on scripture about the messianic prophecies. And it also, there was a note here, and I'm telling you what I've read because there's you scholars all have different open, you know, opinions and perspectives. Um, here it says the fig tree was symbolic for messianic peace and plenty. And they have Micah 4, 4 and Zechariah 3, 10. So what they're saying is that it's possible that Jesus did not prophetically see him under the tree, the way we would envision that Jesus could have seen him sitting under a fig tree, being taught by a rabbi and knew that they were talking about, and again, there's some, in my opinion, there's some mental gymnastics, but I could see it that they were talking about Jacob. And we'll see that in, in a future verse too. So Jacob for, I don't know if ever, who here does not know about Jacob? We, I have a question. Yes. Yeah, oh, sorry. Can I? Can yes, I absolutely. You can interrupt anytime. Did you raise your hand? I raised my hand, but she. <laughs> <laughs> my understanding when I read it was that he was meditating. Like he was actually like praying. He was. I mean, but that's my understanding. Like he was actually in a moment of like being a disciple. 
um, he was in prayer, he was learning, he was teach, you know, being taught, like you said, who knows by, um, but I, I understood it that he was being taught by God. Um, but then it is hard to, you know, like I was trying to figure that out myself. And then um, when they talked about the fig tree in my, my scripture, it says, Nathaniel said unto him, whence now thou know me? Jesus answered and said unto him, before that, Philip called thee when thou was under the fig tree. I saw thee. So Jesus is even saying that he saw Nathaniel under the tree. Right. So that's where I thought he was praying and meditating because, you know, we talk about the secret place. Like when we go into that secret place and we're praying um, and that's when we see the face of God. And so that's how I believe Jesus knew who he was, is that because he was under the tree, actually in depth praying and he could see the face of God. So given that Jesus is the son of God, he knew who he was. But this is just my beliefs. And I just no, thought yeah. I'd put that out there because I have often thought this. Um, I, I'm curious if anyone thinks this in David. The reason I mentioned the under the fig tree is carried on like what your 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 view of it and kind of how you see it. I'm with you there. The way I had always seen it historically um, and the way I was taught was Jesus didn't physically see him. Jesus prophetically saw him because he was praying to the father because he was everywhere. Yeah. But it's possible that Jesus literally saw him sitting under a fig tree. And I'm going to share with you why they say this. So I'm not saying I agree with this. So Nathaniel's response to Jesus saying, I saw you when you were under the fig tree was, rabbi you're the son of god you're the king of israel which is to me pretty significant so that's why i kind of lean towards the prophetic because it's like you would be like what but then he said jesus said to him because i told you that i saw you under the fig tree do you believe you'll see greater things than these he continued i tell all of you the solemn truth you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. So the Jewish leniency about this is they're very big into the text. So when you look at this, look at the sandwich of details. Number one, he sees Nathaniel and he said, you're a true Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Right. And then at the end, it talks about, you're going to see heaven open up and angels ascending and descending on the son of man. Both of those things are an illusion of Jacob because the name Jacob meant deceit, deceitful one or whatever it is, but it's along the lines of deceit. And then in that time, there's a story about Jacob where he was wrestling with God in Genesis 32 not with God says with an angel, he was wrestling and he didn't let the angel go. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And what's interesting is that before the angel blessed him, the angel changed his name. 
like uh, pretty much before I bless you, I need to change your name because your identity, again, this importance of names is deceit and I can't bless you. So we're going to change. And that's when he changed his name to Israel. So when you look here, it says, and again, I don't know, but to me, I find it super interesting where he looks at Nathan who says there's in whom there is no deceit and and every single Bible that I saw cross references this to Psalms 32, two. So let me get this Bible, Psalm 32, two. Yeah, my Bible has that too. Yeah, so Psalm 32, two talks about how blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not immute iniquity and in whose spirit there is no deceit, right? So the speculation, again, this is mere speculation, is that Jesus was there when Nathaniel was sitting under the fig tree. So at a place where he was learning under a rabbi and they were discussing this Psalm, Jewish people till today, this is how they operate. When you, my, my dad probably, hear, there's lots of questions. I'm a question person too. Okay. Question. Why this? Why that? Sometimes they totally conjecture all speculation. There's no facts. It's not in the Bible, but they come up with these stories, right? It's all question-based. And there's a question that says, okay, the Lord will bless the one in whom there is no deceit. Does that also mean that you can be blessed, but still have deceit? Is it possible to be blessed and be deceit? And they were wrestling this question Nathaniel was wrestling with this idea because I think we all even today can attest that there's people who look like they're blessed but they're not very good people right and think about Jacob Jacob was clearly a man who was deceitful but he was blessed from his mother's womb God chose him he was blessed but there was deceit so there's this wrestling going on and Jesus is looking at him and saying, hey, you're someone who doesn't have deceit and you've been wrestling with this. And then he brings in that whole illusion of Jacob and saying that you're going to see the ladder. The ladder is me and the angels are going to go up and come down, which is what that means. It's reconciliation. It's a connection between God and his people. So that's kind of the scholarly way of looking at this text because of the sandwich with the references of Jacob. You know, the, the story that Jesus, uh, the Bible tells us he's walking by a fig tree mm -hmm. and he sees no fruit. What does he say? He curses it the next day, whatever. The disciples go, oh, look, it did happen. I'm thinking, could be that Jesus walked by and saw somebody teaching false doctrines and cursed that out? Not the real tree, but maybe false doctrines. And mm -hmm. then the other disciples come and say, where's the people that gather here together to learn? To, you know, but this is just me. That's my crazy head going at work. That's no, yeah, how, but... I, how I operate. I never read this. I never heard. And again, disregard it, please. 
But this is why I want to provide you guys the research and what the scholars, like even the different groups, because it's not just about what we're studying here. As you read the Bible, something may open up because now you have like that context. I just want to say like, I'm, I never saw that connection to the Old Testament. So I appreciate you for highlighting that. And I can see the, the parallels now. It's, it's amazing how like you can't see something and then when somebody shows it to you, you're like, wow. Um, I guess my question would be, could it also possibly have like a, another meaning as far as like Israel representing like God's people and as like a whole or for for what for what aspect because just just how he says um now here comes a true son of Israel an honest man with no hidden motive Hmm. because I, I feel sometimes throughout the scripture when it references Israel it's not specifically talking about the land country of Israel but more or less of like the people group of Israel and so sometimes my mind tries to think like okay is it possibly alluding to something bigger of like God's people or the you know something like that but regardless it's it's a very cool um, parallel that I'll definitely look into more could be. And I just thought too, as I'm looking at it, Jacob's name was turned into Israel. And in that same sentence is a true Israelite or someone who's from Israel in whom there is no deceit. So out of this deceitful man came this nation of Israel and you're one who has no deceit in him. Like there, that, so this is what I love about, um, Bible study And even the way Jewish people do it till today, they discuss, they like to discuss. And we could be totally off, like, you know, we're told it's conjecture, opinion, but it, to me, it's like, you never know how something you hear can open something up when you're Mm -hmm. reading something else. And like my dad was saying about the fig tree, like now when you read something in the scripture, anytime you see this reference of a fig tree, you're going to look at it in more depth and say, is this a literal fig tree? Is this the idiom about the fig tree? What's this about? Yeah, don't say that crazy bald guy said this, (laughs) not me. I'm going to hold it against him. This is... Or David, and it does say that is it's talking about Israel, the people. Because I have the study Bible, and I was just going down, and the other scripture hit me, and it was breaking it down that it's Israel, the people. It's talking about, and he's calling him. He's, this is Jesus. He's saying you truly an Israelite. I just was thinking this week. I got three Bible studies during the week. I have Tuesdays. I have now yours, and then I have a weekend with Mozambique. And this is something I always tell them, guys, never be afraid to express your opinion. You know, sometimes I tell them, sometimes I may tell you something and I may believe it's true. But later I'm going to find out, no, I, 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 not that I fooled them on purpose, but that was not the proper teaching. So it's never crazy when you expose something like, wow, shocking that's the problem when we just accept everything and we don't check it that's the problem yes. but when you come with something new 
a lot of times it's just very, you know, it's like a sudden, like a, a tornado, you know, just comes so fast, you oh, you know, that's what it seems like because traditions do this. All teachings are good. Listen, all teachings are very good, but some of them are very bad too. So we must learn and separate them. And I always motivate the group that I lead. Please think for yourself. Think for yourself. And I always recommend don't use study Bibles when you're studying with me. That's okay. I'm not talking about you. You read the. I have one too. I have one too. Don't worry. No, no, no. That's okay. But I, I don't like. I like. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I have tons of Bibles, study Bibles, but I just use them for reference yes, theology. Yeah, this yeah, for, theolo yeah. for theology, I'm the biggest scholar, guys. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I studies too, just like you. So, um, yeah. and I'm about to enter into another Bible college. So mm. it's, it's okay. Oh. I agree with you. Yeah. So, so yeah. And I mean, that, that's kind of my perspective too. And it's just interesting because sometimes we just don't know, you know, it's not our culture. It was a whole different time period. And like I mentioned last week, there's people who've devoted their whole lives, you know, they're twice, three times our age, some of us, and they've devoted their whole lives to study these things. We don't. So to me, it's like, let's learn glean from them. But ultimately, this is what I do. I listen to all this stuff. And I sit on it, I pray about it, but I ultimately come up with what I believe. And it may take me a while to figure out what it is I believe. Because I'm like, Oh, that sounds kind of good. But there, you know, and I kind of sit on it and I pray about it. But ultimately, there is a way I lean. So I'll share those things with you when I lean a certain way, but I'm not necessarily opposed to the different things people say, because we don't know. We just don't. Anyone who claims to have all truth, and this is something we're going to talk about too, like there's a group of, of believer Jews that we haven't talked about, which is the Samaritans. If, if you claim that you have all truth, and you know all things, and you are the church, I automatically know that you're not <laughs> because no one does. And we're a body and we work together. Um, so yeah, I mean, what I wanna do is bring all these scholarly things and academic things, because I actually enjoy it, and then bring it in a more layman's term. So it's not so, because I mean, I read some of this stuff in my head, like it's like sprockets and then it starts smoking and then I have to like stop for a second. So, and talk about it. And in this group, like, you know, next week, let's say if you study something and you come or you hear something, you're like, Andrew, I think you're off your rocker. This is what I heard. Or you're always welcome to share. Like if you leave this group today and you're like, I need to go pray for Andrew. She's absolutely lost her mind. <laughs> That's okay. So for next week, we're going to read chapter two. It's only two stories. It's about the a wedding at Cana and mm -hmm. about the cleansing of the temple. So that's all we're reading because there's a lot of juicy stuff in there too. So we'll, we'll share that. And then chapter three is where the conversation with Nicodemus happens. And I don't want to rush into that because it's just an amazing conversation that's worthy of 
a discussion all on its own. So it's pretty neat. So that's it. Does anybody have anything they want to say before we go? If you guys have a chance, and I'll post this, the Bible Project has, they split it up into two videos, but they have their visual commentary on John. Um, I watched the whole thing yesterday, I think. It's super cool because they kind of take, and we'll do this at the very end. We'll go back and look at the book of John as a whole to look at it. Again, I don't know if John did all these things on purpose, but it's still pretty cool to speculate that he did. <laughs> David, can you pray for us? Dear Heavenly Fathers, thank you for this uh, amazing time of just talking about your word, Lord, and just coming together to enjoy the mysteries of, of the written word of God, Father. And I just pray that you continue to speak to us as we go about our, our week, Lord, and tonight, Lord, that uh, you just speak to us and reveal more things through the Holy Spirit, Father. We we hunger and thirst for more revelation of, of you, Lord, and the things of your kingdom and your ways, Father, and of your culture. So I just pray for that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for joining. And that ends our session for today. It's an honor that you've chosen to join us in this conversation. We'd love to know what you think, how this has blessed you, or even if you have any questions by sending an email to hello at andreajohn.com. So to prepare for our next session, read John chapter two and study a little bit about the Passover and the temple. That'll allow you to join the conversation with your own study, perspective, opinions, and questions. And if we don't answer the question that you may have, you're always welcome to email us. Or if you have a perspective that we didn't cover, we'd love to hear about it. Because who knows, maybe I'll share it in one of the sessions. So thank you so much, and I look forward to talking to you next week. Until then, have a blessed day.